it's always one of the top five most popular resolutions is going on a diet or losing weight. But the reality is statistics show most rigid, restrictive diets do not work. What's going on, everyone? Emily Abadi here coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's installment of Hurdle Moment, I am bringing in Lisa Moskovitz. She's a registered dietitian. She's the CEO of New York Nutrition Group, and she's also the author of the book, The Core 3 Healthy Eating Plan. I'm so amped for this conversation because we are taking maybe a different take on the concept of nutritional New Year's resolutions than you may typically see at the turn of a new year. That's right. Lisa and I I are talking all about the small things that you can do to kind of get 1% quote unquote better in the new year. Lisa and I have the same mindset that cutting out anything is just not the way to live, but she has a ton of actionable tips and a lot of great advice when it comes to what you should be adding into your diet, what your hydration should look like. We talk about sugar and alcohol. And we also have a really great conversation about mindfulness and eating, plus the value of meal kit delivery services and prepared meals that show up like completely assembled for you if you're trying to make a shift in this new year with how you have been thinking about your nutrition. Nutrition makes me think of another word we talk about in today's episode, nourish, how you are nourishing your body. And that goes well beyond just the foods that we're eating, right? Talk about the content you're consuming, you know, the energy that's in your space and so much more. So I really, really liked this conversation and I think it's starting off this next 365, although I granted we are a couple of weeks in here, but you get the gist (laughs) with positive intentions, being mindful of what we are putting into our bodies. Of course, make sure you are following along with Hurdle over on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. And if you aren't subscribed yet to the weekly hurdle newsletter. It comes out every single Friday morning and I would love, love, love to land in your inbox. The link to do that is in the show notes. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Lisa Moskovitz. She is a registered dietitian. She's also an author of the Core 3 Healthy Eating Plan and CEO of New York Nutrition Group. How are you doing, Lisa? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and hope everybody's staying safe at home. Staying safe at home. That's exactly what I'm doing, especially because uh, I don't know if you've been outside today, but it's literally mm, 20 degrees in New York. It's biting. It's biting cold. I always say just when you know, you know, it's cold when you need gloves or else your fingers hurt. And that's today is that day. You can't use your phone outside. Don't even try to send a text message. Your fingers will fall off your body. It's it's bad. (laughs) 
It has arrived. It has arrived. And <laughs> what else has arrived is obviously this new year, which is what we're here to talk about today. Uh, we are here to talk about food and some of the resolutions that people make. I mean, at the turn of the new year, I'm certainly guilty of it. I start to think like, oh, I'm going to totally rejuvenate my relationship with food and it's going to look like this and this and this. And the reality is, is that maybe instead of doing that complete overhaul, there are smarter things that we can do when it comes to what we are nourishing our body with to make smarter better decisions in the new year. So before I ask you for all your tips, tricks, feedback, et cetera, why don't you give the hurdlers a little bit of information into how you got into this field and what it is that you love about the work that you do? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I felt always say that, yes, I sort of work towards this career, but I, I really do feel like, and it might sound cliche, but it was, it found me, it was a calling. I always had a passion for helping people above all else. And I was very active as a child. I was a competitive soccer player. And so I always had that aspect, the need to move my body and to, you know, just enjoy what that can provide you, which is that sense of release and stress management and helps with emotional management. So, but for me, what happened is when I kind of hit those high school years, I got more interested in the, you know, social scene versus the soccer scene. And I stopped playing and almost immediately noticed how my body changed. And I was active again, most of my childhood. And this was the first time really ever that I wasn't really doing any activity. Things were getting a little softer. Things weren't fitting me as well. My jeans were getting a little tighter and, and it was hard. It's also at that time in our life where we are, most of us, I want to generalize, but at least I know I was more concerned about my appearance. It was very important to me. I don't think that ever really goes away though. I don't think that's fair to say, but it was definitely very important to me. And I, turned to food. My body image was struggling. I was having all of these battles with it. So I turned more to food. It didn't was, didn't start off the healthiest relationship with food. I didn't have the healthiest relationship. It was more about portion control, a little bit of manipulation, a little bit of looking and researching and going down that rabbit hole of like, what can I do to feel my best? And it got, it crossed the line. It just crossed a little line. Was it ever an eating disorder? No, but I definitely had a dysfunctional relationship with food. And I say that I don't often go into details about my personal life and disclose that in a one-on-one session with the client because I want to keep it client-centered. But when I'm talking to masses, I think it's important to understand that, you know, it almost can make somebody more qualified for having gone through that themselves um, because nobody is perfect. And it's important to understand what it feels like when you're struggling with your, with your body image, when you're struggling with, I don't know what to do with food and I don't know how to feel my healthiest and my best and my most confident from the inside out. It's a tough place to be in. And I definitely experienced that the work is never done, but it's something that got me into the field of nutrition. Science was always my favorite class. Who doesn't love food? It's the one thing that every single person on this planet has to have in their life. It brings us all together and there's so much you can do with it. It brings out a creative side. So I just fell in love with it. I went to school for it. It was between that and art. It's something that I'm so grateful that I can wake up and do every day. I'm so passionate about it. I love it. I started off more counseling weight loss. And even though I still do talk about weight loss with clients, I 
now understand the most important part of a healthy diet is a healthy relationship with food. Mm. And that's it. And it's important as a dietitian that we screen all new clients for an eating disorder before we give any weight loss recommendations. It's like a doctor doling out prescription controlled substance medications without screening for a drug addiction. Mm. So I do think it's important for all dietitians, if you're in this industry to not, you don't have to specialize in eating disorders, but you do have to understand, be familiar with the signs and symptoms and make sure that we're not adding fuel to the fire, that we're not kind of contributing to somebody ending up in a really bad place with their body when all they wanted was to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that of course it's like so interesting these days to even talk about the topic of weight loss. The reality is, is that there are going to be people out there that want to lose weight and there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight. Totally, It's all about what happens in correlation with the rest of that, right? Like, why is it that you want to lose weight? What are you doing when it comes to the mental side of things, as well as the physical side of things? Are you doing it hopefully in a healthy way? Are you consulting with a registered dietitian? There's so many different layers. I think the way of shaming people lately, it seems interested in weight loss for healthy, positive reasons. It just doesn't really sit well with me. I agree with you. And I call myself a diet neutral dietitian because I believe that we have to be flexible with our views. We have to make it person patient centered. And there are definitely people that can lose weight in a healthy way. It just, your weight can't take precedence over your health. As long as you're not sacrificing your health in order to lose a few pounds on the scale or some inches on your waist, then it's totally fine. I, I believe you can have the best of both worlds. And I agree with you. I think this anti-diet movement, although I think it's great and I, and I love so many parts of it. And I think it's good for everybody to be familiar with what anti-diet means with health at every size, with body positivity and body neutrality, I, 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 I feel as though sometimes it can feel like another set of rules Mm. around, like you can't talk about weight loss and you can't focus on portions and you have to just listen to your body and you can't follow a a meal plan. So I, I, I'm like, you know, you can't fight fire with fire when water can do a much better job. And that's kind of where that neutrality comes from. And I do think, again, you can have the best of both worlds. You can have a healthy relationship with food and also work on weight loss it's going to take you so much further and you're going to feel so much better in the long run. Yeah. And like knowing that it's bigger than whatever number that you're seeing on the scale, right? So if you're losing weight because you aren't feeling super stellar in your body, you're not moving the same way, you're realizing that you have a lack of energy, like that's one approach to weight loss rather than like thinking to yourself, well, in college, I weighed this much. So I would love to weigh that much again. Like that's not exactly a really realistic thing as we age. So just being really mindful and again, talking and consulting with experts, if that's something that is on your radar so that you can do it in a healthy and safe way way. But with all that said, with all these disclaimers thrown into the the universe here, what we are here to talk about is along that same vein, right? It's talking about what we're nourishing our bodies with, what we're putting into our bodies going into the new year, and maybe tossing aside some of those old new year's resolutions when it comes to the foods that we're reaching for and kind of how reframing the way we think about eating as we go into this new year. So this is where you come into the mix here. When it comes to these quote unquote new year's resolutions, where do you stand on that front? 
Okay. Absolutely. I am all here for the resolutions because goals are so important. I love working on goal setting with clients. Just mind you, they could change. Goals can change over time. And it's always good to evaluate that and sit back and reflect and say, okay, you know, maybe last year I wanted to do this, but this year I want to do that. And that's okay. So I'm all here for the resolutions. I say, make the resolutions, just make them realistic. Just because like you said, it's January 1st, doesn't mean we need these grand gestures, these huge weight loss promises. It's always one of the top five most popular resolutions is going on a diet or losing weight. But the reality is statistics show most rigid, restrictive diets do not work. You know, there's a lot of different stats thrown out there. We've heard of the 95% of diets fail. We've heard of the 85% of diets fail. But I always say that most diets fail people because they are rigid, restrictive, uniform. They and they don't incorporate a healthy relationship with food. So I say, why not ditch the new rigid diet? And how about a new perspective? And it's always good. And and nutrition is evolving and nutrition science is evolving. And we're learning so much more about food and what it can do for us. So again, worry less about what you should do with food. What am I going to do with this food? What should I be eating? What shouldn't I, the shoulding, the shoulding, everyone shoulds all over themselves. And instead focus on what can food do for your body? What is food doing for you? What types of foods are you eating that's either helping, hurting, improving, and enhancing your health, or maybe, you know, contributing to problems down the road? Because at the end of the day, what you eat can make a difference in how you feel. Even though, again, the psychology is very important, the mentality is very important, we can't deny and argue with the fact that the food that you eat can definitely help or hurt your immune system, help or hurt your digestion, your mental health, your metabolism, your heart health. There's so many different things that it can do for our body that it is important to pay attention to that. Definitely. Definitely. So we're talking about nourishing our bodies then. Give me an example of maybe one thing that someone may want to start incorporating into their diet as a part of reframing the way they think about their nutrition going into the new year. Absolutely. So I'm going to give you the more boring answer, but it's it's true. I always say, and I love that you asked me that, by the way, because I always say, focus on what to add in to your diet versus what to take out. Because when you eat a little bit of everything, you're less likely to overeat any one thing. So it's about adding in stuff, which naturally crowds out the other stuff that probably isn't as nutritious for you. So I always like to break it down into three categories. And I go into this in the book, the core three healthy eating plan more specifically, but carb, give your carbohydrates, your protein, and your fat. That's essentially where we're getting all of the calories that we consume in a day. You can, you can categorize it as a carbohydrate, a protein, and a fat. So if we look at it that way, in respect to carbohydrates, focus on the higher fiber carbohydrates, add more fiber into your diet. Fiber is a virtually zero calorie, non-digestible carbohydrate that has so many benefits, including regulating digestion, lowering cholesterol, improving blood sugar levels, helping with gut health, which now is so popular. We're just scratching the surface about gut health. So there's so many benefits. So aim for at least 25 grams of fiber per day. The best sources I say are my three B's, berries, bran, and beans. Those are the my three top sources of fiber. With protein, 
we're seeing the benefits of more plant-based diets, not just for ourselves individually, but for the planet. And we know that, you know, there's a lot of things that we do have to worry about in the, for our future. So plant-based diets um, will help to do a lot of things. When you eat more plant proteins, again, you're getting more of that fiber. You could be getting more anti-inflammatory antioxidants. You could still be getting a sufficient amount of iron and B vitamins and magnesium and potassium and zinc and all of the things that we, we need from protein foods. So why not incorporate beans and lentils and quinoa and nuts and seeds and tofu? Soy products are fine in moderation as well. You just don't want to overdo it with the extra, extra processed plant proteins. Like, you know, as much as I love what they're trying to do with the, with the, uh, beyond burger and the impossible burger, uh, you know, the best source of plant protein is more of that simple tofu, lentil, bean, quinoa type of protein source. Okay. And then in respect to fats, look for the more anti-inflammatory fats. A lot of times you'll hear eat more healthy fats, but I don't like labeling things too much as healthy. I think it's okay to say, I want to be healthier. I want to eat healthier. But when you call individual foods healthy, it's like, who's by whose standards? What do we, how are we measuring that? How do we know it's healthier for some people? It's not healthier. Everyone's going to be different. Some people, beans really aggravate their inflammatory bowel disease and they can't eat beans. It's not healthy for them. For other people, it's great for their cholesterol. So I don't think it's fair to label that way. So, um, you know, in a dichotomous fashion versus like, this is good. This is bad. This is healthy. This is unhealthy. So what I like to say is look for more of the anti-inflammatory fats, the anti-inflammatory fats, look at what more they're doing for you. Because for most people, there's certain, for most people, there's certain fats that are going to fight inflammation. And these are going to be more of the mono polyunsaturated fats and especially those omega-3. So I'm all about omega-3 fatty acids, and the best source of that is in your fatty fish, like your stash fish, salmon, tuna, anchovies, sardines, and herring. So those are going to be the best sources of omega-3. So focusing again on what to add in. I know that was a very long-winded answer, but I hope <laughs> it was the answer we were looking for today. I've never heard of the STASH acronym yeah. before. This is a first yeah. for me. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> to the STASH club. Welcome. Welcome. Okay. So many good takeaways here. I also think, and I love what you talked about of not labeling certain things as healthy or not healthy or demonizing or giving them these adjectives, right? It's rather what feels right for you in your body in that moment. And that's not to say that like something like, I mean, let's think of a classic quote unquote unhealthy example, a chocolate chip cookie. If you're going to demonize yes. chocolate chip cookies, then you're more likely to overindulge in something that you feel as though you're not supposed to have. But rather if you have that better relationship with the chocolate chip cookie, then you're less likely to reach for one and be like, you know what? I need to eat six more of these right now because I know that I'm not supposed to have them. It makes you want them more. It's like psychology 101. We yeah. want what we can't have always, always. I totally agree with that. I, and the best diet is an all-inclusive diet. You have to make room for the foods that you enjoy. And one way to do that, because some people will say, well, I just don't know how to incorporate cookies without overeating them. Where do I start? So I usually say, why don't you start with, and there's a lot of reasons that have, that can happen that you can feel out of control around it. One of them being your relationship with food. Maybe you're restricting it too much. Maybe you're telling yourself, this is a horrible thing. You're a horrible person for eating this cookie right now. So there's a lot of reasons that can happen, but one thing that can help something you could do at home is combine what you want with something that, you know, is also nutritious. 
So don't just have the cookie, have a couple cookies with maybe some apple slices and some almond butter on it. I love that. Now you have more volume. It helps to, to make you more full. You'll walk away being like that tasted really good. And I also feel more energized and I also feel more full and satisfied. And again, because if you just eat cookies, you're going to need to eat more cookies. But if you have cookies with something, Mm. now you're sort of making it easier to eat the portion that you kind of intended to eat. Yeah. And you know, this kind of makes me think about this week I'm doing and just a week of the Saqqara program. And it's been a long time since I've done it. And so much has changed since I even had Wit and Danielle on the show, which was like, I want to say three or four years ago, but the foods are so delicious. And what I realized in eating this and granted, like it is certainly not something I think that is necessarily in my budget in the long term. But when I'm eating this, I realize that they do a lot of that, right? It's like a lot of really healthy whole food based Mm. meal options. And then they're pairing it and adding like simple things to make that, again, that more bulky of a meal, whether it's throwing in clementines or kiwis or a lot of greens with like black bean burgers. It's just like the volume of food that you're getting is a lot. And it's adding in a lot of like really great, good for me ingredients that go along with the things that otherwise, like I might think like, oh, I want two of these black bean burgers, or I want an extra one of these healthy muffins or these cinnamon rolls. But meanwhile, like I don't feel like I'm scratching the surface and like looking for more because they've added in all of these other really great foods to bring forth more volume that are good for me. Totally. And it's good almost just to give you inspiration, even to do any type of meal delivery meal kit can make it easier to think of what to eat. Cause a lot of people will say that I just don't know what to eat. I'm running out of ideas. I've been cooking at home since the pandemic started and I'm so bored. And so a lot of those companies make it really easy. They take out the thinking and the guesswork and they just deliver it to your door. Yeah. You know, who doesn't want that? Now, obviously (laughs) there's, like you said, it could be hard to keep up with that financially, but it's a good way to even jumpstart. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Green Chef is a sponsor on the show. And what I love about Green Chef is that they deliver. I love cooking, first of all, which is something I realized that I miss when I do a week of something like a Saqqara. But the great thing about Green Chef is that they deliver the ingredients literally pre-portioned. Like you have to think about nothing. You don't have to think about what you want to eat. You don't have to think about slicing for the most part. Like you literally just assemble and bake or stir fry or boil. You're good to go. And for me, if someone can make healthy eating that enjoyable and easy for me, then literally it's a no brainer, no brainer. And you do learn too. I say that to people who, who don't really know how to cook. Some people are like, I really don't know how to make anything exciting. Things like that, companies like that and services like that, they do teach you. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's also a learning experience. I've done it in the past and I know I've learned new tricks in the kitchen from doing stuff like that. So that's another way to look at it as well is that it's not like, oh, what's the point of doing something like this? Um, I feel like we're really pushing this meal kit hard, but right now I I do, (laughs) but it was actually one of my tips because a lot of people will say, I want to try to cook more at home, but I don't know where to start. And so aside from pulling up recipes and coming up with meal plans to really get that off the ground, sometimes it's easier to just have it all in front of you, have clear instructions. And then, like you said, sit back and not have to think so much, maybe watch a show or something while you're cooking and make it relaxing. And it is very therapeutic. It's so therapeutic. And then you enjoy it. You're like, look what I made for myself. You could be so proud that you took that step in self-care. Especially when it looks exactly like the picture you were like, I, oh my gosh, that is just 
Right. That's like an added, if you can get it to look like mine never do, mine are always just like, this doesn't look right, but it tastes, as long as it tastes good. Yeah. As long as it tastes good. Okay. So we talked about the importance of the fats and the fiber. And also of course the ease of integrating something like a meal kit into your regular routine. What else do you have for us when it comes to integrating smart lifestyle and diet choices in the new year? Totally. Hydration guys. We got it. We got to hydrate. Most people that I talk to just don't just don't. And I hear all kinds of reasons why some people forget. Some people just don't know how much to drink. Some people will say, I just don't want to have to get up from my desk and go to the bathroom. It's just annoying to have to do that. And I say, well, guess what? You're getting a little bit of a break. Your body is naturally detoxing. You don't have to spend a lot of money on a detox diet. If you just drink more water, your body (laughs) is doing it on its own. That's all you need. And it's free. So I would say definitely being smarter about your water consumption to figure out how much you need, an easy way to figure that out. And there'll be some variables here, but and ranges, but take your weight in pounds, divide that by two. And that's roughly how many ounces to aim for every day. Keeping in mind, you'll get some of that through the food you eat and tea and even coffee has a little bit of water. Not that we should drink coffee to hydrate, but it does have a little bit of water in it. And that's great. Do the BPA free water bottles. We do want to be careful of plastic, not just for the environment, but also because they contain chemicals that can be harmful to our body. So try to go for the BPA free water bottle. They even have those smart, talking about smart choices. They have those smart water bottles now, I believe that calculate how much you drank. And then you could also try logging it to keep track, log it in an app. If you hate water, infuse it naturally. You could even add a little bit of juice to it if that helps the medicine go down. So (laughs) hydration is literally nature's lubricant. So important for so many reasons, including skin health, digestion, nutrient absorption, metabolism function, pretty much you name it. Our bodies are 60% water. I was, uh, I was working on an article for GQ the other day and an edit that my, my editor threw in there when I was writing about hydration. And the question was like, Oh, you don't want to drink your water. Like everybody always complains about not wanting to drink your water. And my editor added in just grow up and get over it. I was like, (laughs) it is so true. Right. Because like, I hear you, I often feel the exact same way. I think one of the best things that happened to me when I started incorporating AG one into my regular routine was that not only was I getting like all of these greens, but I was also finally starting my day off with an entire cup of water, which was something that I can't tell you. Like it literally took me until I started taking my vitamins that way to actually make that a regular habit. I didn't think twice about having my cup of coffee in the morning, but getting that first glass of water, I would go until like 11 or 12 o'clock and it wouldn't happen. So at least this way now with all these vitamins and minerals. I'm like, Oh, let's start the day with like 10 to 12 ounces of water. That sounds like a really great way to to start things off. Yeah. And it is, it does set the tone. What you do in the morning does set the tone. So if you're not a breakfast person, at least be a water person first thing in the morning, because it really makes a difference. And just a mild dehydration can significantly affect our performance throughout the day, not just if you're doing exercise, but also thinking at a computer and emailing and, any of that water is, is paramount. Can we talk a little bit about the idea of not being a breakfast person? I think that a lot of people think about breakfast in this way, that it's like a meal that you quote unquote don't need. And oftentimes it can be like one of the first things to go if they're like leaning into that unfortunate restrictive mindset. So for the new year, what advice would you offer to someone when it comes to their breakfast routine? Poor breakfast right now. I just feel so bad for it. I it used to be breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And now I feel like everybody is jumping on the bandwagon of 
not wanting breakfast with the intermittent fasting craze, which, you know, basically tells you to only eat between 12 and eight o'clock. So I see that being a big trend. And I just want to say, do you need to eat breakfast? No, not everybody needs to do anything. It really depends on the person. So I'm not a breakfast pusher, but personally, I know that if I don't eat breakfast, I do not perform as well. And I'm hungry all night long. Those are the days that I'm snacking all night or feeling like I need to snack and I'm not satisfied after dinner. So I would just say, pay attention to it on your own and try to take note and make that observation. If you feel better with breakfast, some people will say, when I eat breakfast, I'm hungry all day long. So everyone's going to be different. I am still more in the breakfast club. I think it's very important to set the tone for the day. It gives you an excuse to get in more fiber, more antioxidants in the morning, more vitamins and nutrients because food first supplements are great but food first and supplements are meant to supplement your diet, not replace your diet. And then if you are not opposed to eating breakfast, but you're confused on what to eat or, or what I hear a lot of times is I just don't have the time to do it. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can just have a little bit of protein, a little bit of fiber, and a little bit of fat. Those are the three most important elements of a balanced meal, protein, fiber, and fat. So an egg with avocado toast or almond butter, toast with a yogurt or yogurt with berries and chopped walnuts or chia seeds or a smoothie where you can get in a vegetable, a fruit, a fat, a protein, and then a liquid or almond base. So those are all easy things you can do. Overnight oats with some chia seeds in there and then frozen blueberries that when they melt, they'll actually, the juice will sweeten the cereal up and you don't even need to add that much sugar to it to sweeten it. So those are all really good examples of what a balanced breakfast looks like. Even a protein bar is okay. If you need it, shouldn't depend on it all the time, but if it means you're getting more protein in your diet, you're getting more fiber in your diet, that's perfectly fine as well. And then, like I said, just pay attention to your body. You know, if you really say I had breakfast and it doesn't make a difference for me and I'm not hungry and the thought of it makes me want to vomit, then fine. Then don't have the breakfast. But unless you can say that categorically, maybe give it a try, work on it. And over time, it will become a permanent behavior change. It's just, you have to keep doing it in order to make it stick. And just like with any other habit, right? It's like, you just got to find what works for you. Like for uh, a few months there, I had recently interviewed uh, Shalane Flanagan on the show. And I decided that I would keep making different superhero muffins from her new cookbook to keep around the apartment for a while that worked really well for me, but then I was starting to crave something else. So it's like switch it up. And I love your advice about really paying attention to how you feel when you put different foods into your body and like making a note of that, because in the day to day, when things are so busy and you're jumping from one item on your to-do list to the next item on your to-do list, sometimes we don't stop and take inventory about like literally how we feel. So that piece of advice is super, super valuable. I love that too. Checking in with yourself, mindfulness and doing that also at meals. I even think that's a great challenge to make one meal a day a little bit more mindful. Sit down at the table, check in with yourself. How often do you really do that when you're eating? How am I feeling? Am I really hungry right now? Do I need to keep eating this? Am I even enjoying this? Do I ever want to make this again? Do I ever want to eat this again in my life? Maybe you don't. So I think that in general, like that whole concept of checking in with yourself is so important because nutrition is not just about food. It's also about nourishing our bodies 
in all different ways and all different aspects. And so mindfulness, taking that time for yourself, having that downtime, getting enough sleep, getting the exercise in, getting the water in. So there's a lot of uh, different ways that you can nourish your body. It's not only limited to food and what you put in your body that way. What we're talking about here as well can lead us into another really great tip for the new year in that it's really helpful if you dedicate a specific time period to your meals. It's super easy for me to bring my lunch into this room, sit in the studio, do work and eat. But a really intentional goal that I have set for myself in the new year is to do a lot less of that and like take that 10, 20 minutes, sit at the kitchen island, like get out of the office and be really attentive to what I'm putting into my body. Yes. Take a break. The meal multitasking is so real. Um, and a lot of people I see doing that and then they'll say, you know, I don't feel satisfied with what I'm eating or I feel like I'm overeating or I feel like after lunch, I'm looking for something else in the kitchen, like 20, 30 minutes later, I need something sweet and it's okay to do that. It's okay to eat. If you're still hungry, sometimes what you pack for lunch, what you plan for lunch wasn't enough. We can't always plan how hungry we're going to be. You have to let your body guide you, but if you're eating quickly and not paying attention to what you're eating in front of you, that could be why you're also not feeling satisfied. So mindful Mm. eating isn't necessarily a tactic to eat less, but it can definitely help you eat enough. It can definitely, mindless eating can definitely lead to overeating. And then the last thing I really want to talk about here, well, two things. The first thing I want to talk about is alcohol, because right now so many people we're seeing it all over our Instagram feeds, all over TikTok, all over everywhere. Dry January is everywhere. And for some people, that's a really great tool. But for others, it goes back into this idea of complete restriction. And when you completely restrict it, is that going to be good for us? So can we talk a little bit about maybe your best practice tips for having a healthier relationship with alcohol as we go forward in 2022? Total, and I love that too, because I'm always saying healthy relationship with food, healthy relationship with exercise. But yes, what about a healthy relationship with alcohol? And like anything else, when you try to overly restrict or forbid anything, I believe that's the number one reason people struggle with this all or nothing mindset. The I'm all in and then I'm all out. And it's just like this constant repeat cycle pattern that's just reinforced every time you try to be too restrictive in your life. And so, you know, I'm not about the extremes. However, I'm all for the challenges and the goal and the excitement and the, you know, if if you think it'll help jumpstart maybe a more drier lifestyle, like it's not just a dry January, for Mm -hmm. example, but just cutting down an alcohol for the foreseeable future, then that's great. Then if that's what helps you, great. But it can't just be a month. You can't just say, I'm going to cut out alcohol for a month and then we'll see what happens later. Because usually what happens later is then you just go right back to it and then you want 10 times more because you missed it so much. So why not just kind of take the approach of, again, that boring proverbial saying everything in moderation, but it's so true. Everything in moderation. I'm not anti-alcohol. What is considered healthy drinking is one drink a day for women and and two drinks for men. They unfairly get more than women do because they have more of an enzyme that helps break down the alcohol. But that's like one small wine glass, one shot, which is 1.5 ounces of liquor or spirits, one 12 ounce beer. That's roughly one drink. But go for what you want. You know, it sounds kind of a little 
extreme, but pick your poison. You know, it's alcohol is alcohol and it's not I hear people go, oh, doesn't it have a lot of sugar in it? Alcohol. No, alcohol is actually its own separate source of calories. It's not, it's actually more equivalent to fat, how it affects your body, like almost like drinking butter than it is to drinking sugar. But sugar does get in there from the mixers and the beverages that you pour it into, or wine has a little, a little bit, especially dry wines have very little bit sugar in there. Again, I would just say no matter what you're drinking, Pick something that you do enjoy. If you're a wine person, have a glass of wine. If you're a martini person, have a martini. Just know that most of the time a martini is really two drinks and one. Sadly, sorry to burst your <laughs> bubble, but that's the truth. And then hydrate. Make sure you alcohol is incredibly dehydrating. It's a depressant and it is an appetite stimulant. There's a reason there's that tradition of having a glass of wine or a drink before dinner because it does stimulate our appetite. And so it's sort of prepping you to eat more at dinner, which Mm. isn't a bad thing. But for some people who are like, why do I always eat so much when I go out to a restaurant and feel sick the next day? It's like, well, maybe it's because of the bottle of wine you had with your side of dinner, you know? So (laughs) I would just say to be aware of that, hydrate and just know how that affects your body. If you say, I'm good, I, you know, enjoy your life, enjoy your life. Alcohol, drinking can be a part of that. But obviously if you feel like it's a problem, then you need to address it. Yeah. My girlfriend and I were talking yesterday about like the amount of alcohol that we generally consume, like just kind of like comparing notes. And I made a commitment to her and we were laughing about it that I'm just going to start buying more expensive wine. So this way, when I have like my one glass of wine, I'm like, that was a great glass of wine. And I'm not going to pour another glass of wine until maybe tomorrow. Quality over the quantity. Because this bottle of wine cost me $30. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. For me, I'm like $30 is a ritzy bottle of wine. Oh, same, same. I'm like the 10 to $15 type of girl. I'm like really over $15. No, thanks. I'm going. No, thank the other? You. But yeah, the I mean, just got to find, you just got to find what works for you. And the same thing, I feel like you're going to say this when it comes to the last thing that I want to talk to you about, which is dessert in 2022. I am known and by known, I mean, I know this about myself and just me because I live here on my own, but I am known to keep a pint of ice cream in my freezer. Talk to me. Like, can I have the ice cream every day? Should I not have the ice cream other day? Should I be thinking about alternatives to the ice cream when it comes to my dessert? What should I be doing when it comes to eating sweet in 2022? Totally. I'm all about give yourself permission. Permission is so important because what we were saying before, when you tell yourself something's off limits, when you tell yourself only have a little bit, only have a little square of chocolate, you're going to be thinking about not eating the other, I don't know how many squares of chocolate are in a chocolate bar, but you're, all you're going to be thinking about is just sticking to that little itty bitty portion, which most of the time is not enough. So instead, let yourself enjoy it. Let yourself taste it. Have the dessert have the dessert at the end of the meal. I'm also that person that if I don't have something sweet at the end of the day, it's like, it's, I would say it seals the meal deal for me. I need something a little sweet. I, I, I think it's important. I get, like I said, the healthiest diet is an all-inclusive diet. It includes foods that you love. It includes foods that you enjoy, because if you don't include that, you're just going to want it more. And it can set you up for the all or nothing mindset, feeling out of control around food. When you give yourself permission, we often feel like it's not as much of a problem. The more you control, the less you feel in control. So I say, allow yourself to have it. If you end up eating more than, again, what you intended, or you feel like, 
a large portion of your of your day to day is from less nutritious foods, higher added sugar foods, then we have to figure out why is that happening? Is it that you're not eating enough of the other foods? Is it maybe emotional stress related, which is a whole other topic in itself, but that's something that you can also take a look at. Some people eat at night because they just don't want to be alone with their own thoughts. They're just like, I don't want to deal with myself right now. And I get that feeling. I think we've all been there. It's like, I just don't want to deal with the thoughts in my head. I'd rather just eat a snack and like zone out in front of the couch. But you know, and that's okay time to time. But if that's your nightly ritual, mm-hmm. then it's important to kind of dive a little deeper into that, figure out what's going on there. Yeah. I love, love, love us highlighting the importance of that. Our eating habits can certainly be paired with like emotional or what's whatever's going on in the mental side of things. So totally. making sure if you do have specific patterns or habits that you indulge regularly and you feel kind of stuck in those that you make an effort to speak to someone about it, whether it is a therapist, a registered dietitian, make note of your habits, get really honest with yourself because until you get honest with yourself about what's going on, then you won't be able to make any positive changes going forward. This one such a good conversation. I feel like I like learned so much. I feel like you and I have similar nutrition philosophies. And I really think that again, a lot of these tips, they're simple to implement. Um, they're very realistic and they are really helpful when it comes to us kind of regaining control and thinking about being nourishing for our bodies in the new year and beyond. Yes. Love that. It's music to my ears. And I agree. And I love, you know, hearing other people like-minded to me. I even learned from you as well. And I, I just, again, want to reiterate, you know, you don't need to restart a new or restart any restrictive diet. How about just like a new perspective and just kind of looking at food a little differently and being smarter around food and and what you put in your body, but also in a way that is healthy and will support you long-term and is sustainable. Definitely. Definitely. Lisa, talk to us about how the hurdlers can keep following along with you. How do they stay in the loop? Give me the details. Yes, absolutely. So you can follow me on social at Lisa M nutrition. The name of my private practice is New York Nutrition Group. We offer virtual and in-person visits. We also accept most major health insurance plans because I believe nutrition should be accessible to everyone and not just this luxury service. And that's about it. And then my book is the core three healthy eating plan, and it's available on most major retail sites like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Simon and Schuster. Beautiful. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.